not, uh, I want us to pray. And I want you, can you pray this out loud with me, okay? Let's, you don't have to close your eyes or bow your head or anything, but right now, can we just pray this together? Lord Jesus, open my heart to the Word of God that I can be changed forever. Amen to that? Yeah, I want Him to change us today. Church, um, just hang right there for just a moment until I get into the other part, yeah. Um, I don't have any ideas or hopes or dreams of us being a better church than another church in our community. I don't ever have a hope or dream of that. You know how many churches there are in Dixon County? One. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one church, one mission, one message. Jesus, his life, his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his second coming. Anything other than that, we don't give a rip about. All the other stuff is secondary information. All we want is Jesus. Can somebody say Jesus? Now, if you come from a church that's not a participatory church, what does that mean? Where the pastor actually expects you to say amen back. Uh, this is a little different environment for you. I get that. Uh, but it helps me preach a little bit, to be honest with you. It's almost like if you were to go to your water, uh, your, your water fountain, maybe. <laughs> Who has a fountain in their house? I don't know. Your, you know, your, your kitchen sink. Let's just go with that one. That's easier. And you were to put your cup up under it and just wait for the water to come out. How long are you going to stand there? Somebody says, well, we got a major leak. I'm not talking about that. How, how long would it take? It, it would never fill up, right? you got to open it up. I'm asking you today, open yourselves up by opening me up. You go, how do we do that? You pull on your pastor. It's a, it's a weird spiritual principle where you pull. You kind of pull. It's this spiritual principle. I don't know how to explain it. You pull. It's like when we were singing that song earlier, we're pulling down heaven. Matt, what in the world does pulling down heaven mean? It means asking God to send whatever he has there in the kingdom, the good things of the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Asking him to bring those things down to be a part of our lives. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me? So, I want us with all of our hearts to never try to be a better church because we are one church but every church has their part to play it's what Corinthians would say that I cannot say to the foot I have no need of thee right but sometimes the church forgets that it's the number one servant in the earth and she gets a little judgmental And so I want to ask you, church, will you do something with me and be different from other parts of the body? I'm not asking you to be better. I'm asking you to be different. You see, Kanye West released his album this week. Jesus is King. And the church is so stinking hypocritical at times. Because the church will say, we need people of celebrity status to be born again. But the moment they get born again, they go, I don't know if it's real. 
Well, which one do you want, schizo? <laughs> do you want people to be born again? Or do you want them to die and go to hell? Should they be born again and be quiet about it for three years and go, I've been seeking God for three years now because that's not how you were born again. In fact, we make a public call for salvation. People go, what if he didn't really get saved? What if you didn't really get saved? We also preach truth around here. We'll also come at it a little hard sometimes. Well, I want to see his fruit. I want to see your fruit. Because the truth is, it is very hard for me to judge someone and pray for them at the same time. I cannot let bitter water and sweet water come out of the same fountain. So Kanye West says, he asked Jesus as my king employees not to have premarital sex or watch pornography while they're recording the album. I mean, you go, Matt, why would he ask people to do that? Should they not be doing those things anyway? Neither should church people. But this article gets major attack, not from the world. Nobody in the world said, how dare he ask me not to have premarital sex. Nobody in the world said, how dare he ask me not to look at pornography. Only church people had an opinion. I'm asking you, will you be different from church people? Can you be different from judgmental, pharisaical windbags? You go, Matt, aren't you being judgmental? No, 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 no. I'm pointing to fruit of judgment. And the scripture says to judge with the right type of judgment. You can judge fruit. And if fruit is not sweet to the taste, it's not from heaven. So I'm asking you, church, will you pray for Kanye? Will you pray for Kim? Will you pray for these people that we will never meet? Because the truth is, his influence is worldwide. And we need Kanye West in the body of Christ. Half of us are not... Let me back up. I don't want to make a blanket statement. Many of us who profess Christianity are not witnessing to our neighbors. Maybe Kanye can do it for us. I love that girl. She's as loony as an outhouse rat, but I love that girl. You know I'm joking. I love you. I thank God for you. Thank you for leading us well today. Thank you for not rushing it. And if you're, again, if you're new with us today, you're part of the family already. We look at that, but we don't rush worship. We don't have a little 18-minute or 25-minute box. We put worship in and go, we're only going to go that far because we're here for Jesus. We're not here for entertainment. Can somebody say amen to that? We genuinely want God. And the truth is, many of you are here for that same reason because traditional church was not doing it for you. You said, I've got to have more. And I promise you, if you will stay with us, we will get the more. 
we will experience the more. We, there's revive, pockets of revival breaking out all over the southeastern United States. Why not Dixon, Tennessee? Come on, church. Why not Dixon, yeah. Tennessee? Why not have God move here? Why not have signs and miracles and wonders here? Why not take God at His word that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Matt, this is so new for me. So is a brand new car, but you drive it like it's wonderful. Why don't, we expect, why don't we expect God to give us something new? He's a God. He says, I make all things new. That means he even makes the way we do church new. The way we experience him new. I don't, I'm not going to call the guy's name out but because he's here and I don't want to embarrass him. But he probably wouldn't care that I shared this because he shared it with me and I shared it with the staff. And it's just how we get good gossip going, you know. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just, thank you for getting my humor. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate that. Yeah. But so you guys remember few weeks ago we did family portrait and I didn't realize the impact that that series had on people at the same time I knew God was doing something I couldn't put my finger on what was happening but I knew God was doing something and I met with a guy in my living room and he said you know and I may get the story wrong, so if I do, the person that's t told me this, just get with me after service and I'll correct it later. But from what I understand, he said, I'm sitting there. He said, it feels like I'm, I want to run out of the room and go hide or cry. And I said, why? He said, because in the middle of you preaching, you stopped and you said, Right now, God is physically touching someone's body, and it feels like electricity or something of that nature, and God is healing you of past trauma. And he said, that was me. He said, I had never, ever, he said, I've been in church my whole life. I've never experienced something where it felt like I had to leave. He said, I almost ran to the bathroom to look in the mirror to make sure that I wasn't going crazy. He said, and all I know to tell you is that day God healed me of some stuff. And I'm saying that to say to you, that's the kind of environment that if you choose to be a part of this movement, not this establishment, we are not an establishment. We believe God is causing a movement here. This is the kind of things we're praying that God does for you. Yes, I know it's new. I know it's bizarre. I know you might not have grown up in this tradition where the presence of God was spoke about. The Holy Spirit was not experienced. Maybe you had an altar call and came to the altar and cried a few tears, but that's where your life stopped. You got saved. You knew you was going to heaven, but it feels like you can't walk in victory. It feels like your life is consistently falling apart, and it's why? Because somewhere along the way, there was a breakdown in the church, and the breakdown was this. The Holy Spirit no longer exists to move in the earth to empower you. And that is the greatest lie that has ever been propagated in the body of Christ by the enemy. And he used the church to teach it. Yeah. 
The Holy Spirit is no longer relevant. After you're saved, that's it. Honey, somebody says, Matt, and I, I, I use this joke a lot. They go, Matt, are you taking, saying we need the Holy Spirit? As the meme on Facebook says, honey, you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. <laughs> More or less live a victorious life. Some of you, I could ask you right now to lift your hand and you'd say, right now I feel heat all over my body. Right now I could ask you. I'm seeing your head shake. Why? That's the Holy Spirit confirming His Word in you. (laughs) And I love it, man, when you see people going, yeah. I love it because it reminds me that God is just getting started with Dixon County. Amen. Or whatever county you represent. God has blessed us to pastor all over Middle Tennessee at one season. I say all over. And different parts of Middle Tennessee. And many of you come from, there's, there are probably five counties represented in this room. And I believe God is doing something in you to take it back to your county. He's lighting a fire in you right from this middle school auditorium. Yeah. Amen to that. And I'll be selfish and say, if you're searching for a church home, I hope you found one. Because I can guarantee you this, I will pastor you with my whole heart. I I give my life to the body of Christ. I will pastor you. Thank you for that, brother. He's going, yes, he will. (laughs) He might even call and rebuke you. I don't know. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) Because we care for people. We don't do it perfectly, but we do it passionately. And that's the difference. Amen to that? Amen to that. Thank you. I love the ooze. I mean, if you just want to stay there and do the ooze. (laughs) She says, when during rehearsal, she said, I love the ooze of the keyboard. All right, thank you, dear. I'm going to get right into the Word today. And uh, I want to to share a little bit of a heady message. What do I mean by heady? Meaning that I'm going to need you to hang with me because I've got to give you some basis on some things, okay? First of all, last week I asked you a question. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer in faith because the Bible says that if you ask anything in my name, that it will be done for you? And how many know that you've prayed that prayer, you believe that scripture, and not one thing happened? Can I see your hand? Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate it. I did a little bit more digging this week, and I want to release you from something. It's because that's not what that scripture means. I'm about to free everybody up in this room. Christianity is about to get a whole lot easier. It's about to make a whole lot more sense. See, here's the thing we, want, we don't want to say in church. We want to say that we've got one scripture locked down, baby, and that one scripture means exactly what it means, and we don't want to mess with that because that's what it means. And I know that God's Word is God's Word. And yes, God's Word is God's Word as long as you know the context of God's Word. I know. Everybody say, the, everybody say this statement with me. A text, thank you all four people, a text taken out of context becomes a pretext for a proof text. You go, Matt, what does that even mean? It means you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say when you want it to say it. Unless or if you ignore the context. One of the things I teach in Bible classes is this. Context before content. You've heard me say it a gazillion times. Context before content every time. 
if you don't know where Jesus said a thing and why Jesus said a thing and to whom Jesus said it, we will misinterpret and misapply the word of God. And then guess what? We're praying prayers. He never answers. Does that make sense? So I want to give you some information here that I believe with all my heart is going to free you up today to walk away in more faith in what God can do because it's not about what God does out here. It's about what God does in here. Now, are you ready? Good. If you saw my meme this morning or my, my little thing I put on Facebook, it was uh, Chris Farley showing you a belt buckle. Did anybody see that? In other words, you better, you better buckle up because it's going to get a little, again, it's a little heady. I'm going to give you some history, and then we're going to make some application to it, okay? This is where the geekiness of a Bible teacher comes out in me, so I need you to hang with me for just a minute, okay? So, Mark chapter 11, it's the great faith chapter. We preach it, preach it, preach it, particularly the Word of Faith movement. They will preach it, preach it, preach it. You can speak those things. You can pray those things. And listen, I believe the Word of God. We can speak, give life to things, absolutely. But as long as there's proper context to a thing. Mark 11, chapter 12, uh, Mark chapter 11 verse 12 through 14, and then we'll read the second part. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, remember context right there. Bethany, there's the geography, that matters. He was hungry. There's context again. Jesus had an appetite, okay? And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. Everybody say it had leaves? No figs. Lord, I could preach a minute right there. It, and we will. We'll get there. Don't worry. It had leaves, no figs. He went to see if he could find anything on it. Oh, my. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. No wonder the scripture would say, be instant in season and out of season. In other words, you've got to be prepared for the things of God in all seasons, not just when things are going well. Amen? And he said to it, may no one ever free eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. In other words, he walks up to this tree. This tree has got a bunch of leaves on it, man. He walks up to it and says, you're cursed. And may no one. In other words, I just don't need Jesus when he's hungry to hang out with me. You didn't get the joke, did you? I'm sorry. Remember, he was hungry. He wanted figs. It didn't produce. He cursed it. That's called being hangry. Jesus was hangry. He was the first example of being hangry. Uh, my wife was the second, I learned. You've never seen a woman claw the dashboard out of a car when she wants a taco. But anyway, so, and his disciples heard it. They heard Jesus. Now, you've got to understand, it wasn't because the man was hungry. There's very major um, uh, implications of what this fig tree was and who this fig tree is, okay? So, verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree wither at its roots. In other words, the day before, they saw Jesus curse it. The next day, they come by and were like, you know, it's one of those double looks. You go, what is going on here? And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, or teacher, the word is, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, now hear this, Jesus answered, have faith in God. Does that not feel so disjointed to you scripturally? The fig tree is cursed. Have faith in God. Now let's keep going. We're going to figure out why he's saying this. This is your kind of stuff, Lord. You're going to love this. Now, you always know the people who love this kind of stuff because they're always getting right after you know. So he says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to what? 
not a mountain. Some of y'all are going, mm, mm, you're getting it. In other words, context over content. Come on, context over content. This mountain, not a mountain. But we will teach you because it makes for good preaching. You can speak to every mountain, right? I mean, that's my, my, that's my real Pentecostal voice. And it will move, and you're going, man, I'm just trying to pay the bills. Can somebody say amen to that, right? Your mountain is your bills, right? The Bible never says that we can speak to any mountain and it will move. But we tell you that and then you live in frustration because I've got to ask your forgiveness. Will you please forgive preachers for misquoting the Scripture? We're doing our best to build your faith, but sometimes we're frustrating your faith because we're making promises on which God never promised to deliver. I'm telling you, I'm getting you all free today. I'm getting you free, okay? Some of y'all mad at your preacher now. Thank God I've only been here 10 months, so it ain't me. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah, we're good. We're good. Now, Jesus answered, How faith in God, I truly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be take up and thrown into the sea. Now, there's another context right there. Where is he putting it? Into the sea. You're going to find this thing show back up in Revelation in the book of Revelation, we ain't going there today. Don't worry, okay? My God, don't go there. <laughs> We're not going there today, okay? Another day, another time. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. There's where it gets hairy, right? Because you go, but Matt, it says it right there. Context over content. Now, verse 25. No, excuse me, verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask, in prayer, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. See, that's where it gets hairy right there because you're going, but Matt, it says it right there. But you can't just take one verse and lift it. You have to put the thing before and the thing after it to make it like a Bible sandwich, <laughs> a Scripture sandwich, right? Okay? <laughs> that's the only time you can eat it properly. And whenever you stand praying, why were they standing praying? Who was he talking to? That's the key. Let's keep going. I got another, we'll get there. I love this. And when you stand praying, forgive. What if some of our prayers are not being answered because we won't do the latter, but we want the former? We have so much unforgiveness in our heart. Let's keep going. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. What is that reminiscent of? The Lord's Prayer. Absolutely. Matthew chapter 6. Now, you see, again, a text taken out of context becomes a pretext for a proof text. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Again, the only Bible, only Bible geeks really say stuff like that. So y'all forgive me. Y'all get that part of me today, okay? See, we often hear this thing quoted as 100% guarantee of the things we ask for from God. However, like I said to you last weekend, we've all had that situation in our life where we ask God for something and it did not happen. And we say things to ourselves like this, had I just had more faith, what does that even mean? Hebrews says every man's been dealt a, every man's been dealt a measure of faith. So whatever faith you have, that's the faith you start with. 
Wherever you can believe in the moment, start there. And if there's something greater for you after that, you can build up yourself. The Scripture says in Jude chapter 1, building up yourself in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. So yes, you can increase faith, but until you learn how to increase it, you have to start with what you have. Is this okay? So we all have a baseline of faith from which we can start. So we say to ourselves things like, well, I've just got to have more faith. Well, what, what, what does that even mean to us? How are we going to get there? So in other words, start with what you have, and then we move on from there. Now let's keep going. This is where the context over content matters more than anything. When Jesus was talking about this moment, okay? Oh, I've got to go back real quick. I've missed something really key up here, okay? I do not suppose that there's a real formula for prayer. Prayer is a dialogue between you and your Creator. When they wanted to know how to pray, Jesus wasn't giving them a formula. He was changing their perspective on who their daddy was. Why? Our Father, who art in heaven. You know who their father was until that day? Abraham. Remember? Our father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So from that day... They had never looked at God as Father. They had looked at Him as Sovereign Ruler. But Papa? That's too holy. So He's changing their context of who Father was. So He gives them a new way to pray, not a new formula. Did you get that? He gives them a new context from which to pray, not necessarily a new formula. So I don't want you to look at prayer as a formula, but rather a dialogue between you and your Heavenly Father. Now watch this. So if there's not a formula, then I do want to pose a question to you when we are praying. Is it possible, come on now, is it possible that you and I have had more faith in our prayers than we do the God to whom we've prayed? Do we really believe for one moment that how we pray determines how God answers? I'm messing with you, I know. Have we ever come to the place that we think if I can just pray it A, B, C, D, E, then that's going to strong arm God into giving me what I need? When in fact, prayer is your act of surrender. Prayer is not an act of strong arming God. Prayer is not convincing God to do for you what you need. Prayer is saying to God, the only way that I can communicate to you right now is I'm completely hopeless unless you move in this situation. That's what prayer is. Prayer is completely surrender to His will, and we'll get there in just a moment. I'm very aware of the time. It's only, I got 15, 20 minutes before it's 12 o'clock, so we... I milk an hour and a half because guess what? I only get an hour and a half with you out of 160-something hours a week. Come on. And if I'm honest with you and if you're honest with yourself, many times that's the only context for God that we have in our life. So you need to embrace this hour and a half to empower your life. Can somebody say amen? Now, 
So let's put this in context. The mountain on which Jesus was speaking here, I know I took a left-hand turn on you there. Just go with me for the sake of time. Jesus was speaking of the mountain, hear me, they were, that they were once, that once they had left Jerusalem, rather, they had come to a mountain called the Mount of Olives. And this is between Bethany and Bethpage in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus spoke to Jews, hear me, he's speaking to a Jewish audience, who knew their own history. So when Jesus is saying, guys, do you see where I'm standing? This mountain, look at the context, we're on the Mount of Olives, everything around you. In other words, if I were to say to you guys, if we were to go to the Battle of Franklin, if we were to go to a historical site in Franklin, I could say to you, here is our heritage, here is our history. Everybody would understand the context and what I'm talking about, right? This is the same situation here. He's saying, guys, I want to remind you of your history here because what I'm about to do, this kingdom that is coming to you, is going to so shake up your whole life that you're literally... I can't get ahead of myself. Let's keep going. Don't you hate it when people do stuff like that? Hey, I've got something to tell you right, right now. If I say something like that to me again, I will cut you. So Jesus was speaking to their own history. Now, here we go. Here's the history. The Mount of Olives, where Jesus was making this famous uh, message, sharing these, 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 this one of the most famous passages that we know, the most rehearsed and quoted passages we know. Jesus was speaking to the Mount of Olives, and according to Jewish history, here we go. Solomon used to erect altars to false gods on this mountain. And the fig tree that Jesus cursed in that moment was prophetically speaking to the house of Israel. Why? Because Jesus was showing, hear me, the reason Jesus cursed the fig tree was showing to the disciples the same way Israel has sold out to idols and false gods, your life too will shrivel up and die like this fig tree. So when Jesus is saying to them, well, let me keep going. Let's, let's look at this in Hosea. We'll find the fig tree found in Hosea chapter 9. You go, Matt, was, I didn't know there was a Hosea. There is one in the, he's called a minor prophet, okay? Minor doesn't mean less that. It means he, sh he shared shorter content. Major prophet shared big content, okay? Isaiah is a major prophet, okay? I, uh, Hosea chapter, um, chapter 10 verse 9. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. In other words, he found them in a place of wilderness. For you and I, he found us in sin. Are you with me? I found Israel like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season I saw your fathers but they came to Baal Peor in other words at one time Israel was doing the will of their fathers they were worshiping God but then they sold out to Baal Baal is a form of idol worship are y'all all still with me here Baal is a form of idol worship and consecrated themselves watch this to the thing of shame. Oh gosh, I could preach there for a while. To the thing of shame and became detestable like the thing they loved. Now let me just give you a little hint here of what idols are. Idols were things shapen, watch this, out of the heart of humans. So there was no idol carved that they first did not imagine. And then many times they would shape these idols out of brass and polish it till they saw their own reflection in it. 
Mm-hmm. How many of us in our life have so fashioned and formed idols that we think are beautiful in our lives, but when we look at them, we go, wow, this thing reflects my entire life. I'm broken. I'm busted. I'm empty. And we all know what the idols are. We act like we don't have idols. I mean, our television, I mean, every piece of furniture in our house is turned toward the television. Don't tell me it's not an idol. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. By the way, every piece of furniture in my house is turned toward the television. Like, don't act like I'm the only one here with my couch is backwards. Right? Don't, don't think I... I'm not knocking you. I'm just, I'm just sharing with you reality, right? We all have, let's not pretend we don't have idols fashioned in our own image. Yeah. Let's not have, like, I'm not trying to say the pastor's more holy and we got rid of our television. I'm preaching from an iPad <laughs> on which I watch football on a lot. So, but I'm trying to get us to see what God was saying to the disciples and why he was saying it and why this prayer does not necessarily mean that we can go to God and get everything we want. You say, Matt, okay, let me get to the point here because I think it's going to make better sense when we get on down there. So later on, we see God coming to clean house through a guy named Josiah. 2 Kings 23. This is not on your notes. This is just, this is not on the slides, but this is just, I'm just going to give you a preface. In 2 Kings 23, you can read this. Josiah had to desecrate the mountain. What mountain? The same mountain. (laughs) He had to desecrate it with dead men's bones to halt the pagan worship. In other words, the only thing that causes idols in our lives to die is if something dies in us. Do you see the parallel there? So he says this. Uh, I'm sorry, and you know what he had to do? He had to do that in order to keep Israel's priests off the mountain. Even the preachers were forming idols, and they still have the presence of God. Y'all, that's a bad day in Israel. It's also a bad day in America. When we fashion idols, we have made idols out of our political parties. We've made idols out of our celebrities. We've made idols out of our own children. And God is saying, no wonder you're withering up and dying because you've placed everything before me. The Lord wrecked my life when I realized I had made this woman an idol in my life of whom I joked and said, I worship the ground she walks on, yet I would never talk that way about God. And I realized it wasn't just affection, it was idolatry. I had placed her before my relationship with God. And no wonder. Now, here's the thing. The bizarre thing about that, Lori, was my marriages fell apart, yet I idolized her. Do you get that? This fell apart because I idolized it. And the fact is, he is a jealous God of whom he will have no other gods before him, even if it's your spouse. Bob, is this okay today? Thank you, sir. And I love that guy. Now, so when Jesus, what Jesus is about to teach them about prayer, faith, belief in God and receiving, listen, he was doing this in a very charged, dangerous, and illustrated context on this mountain. You see, they were standing on a mountain where their history would prove to be full of idols, full of debauchery, full of worshiping false gods. 
I mean, this was sin at its highest, guys. And it was sin toward God and sin toward one another. You all right, brother? <laughs> that scared me. I'm, uh. <laughs> Come out, devil. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just you know I'm just joking with you. <laughs> so how does this apply to you and I? I'm so glad y'all asked. Because I know y'all been waiting, right? How does this apply to you and I? Why do we preach this passage if it has nothing to do with how you and I pray? If it has nothing to do with that, then it has to do with Jesus teaching about their history. Why does this apply? Well, before I share that with you, I want to give you two things. Hear me now. I want us to look first at how this does not apply to you and I. Number one, we do not get to ask anything that we want and God will do it. If that's true, everybody in this room would be hot, rich, and debt-free. And there's only one woman in this room, hot, rich, and thank God, debt-free. Come on, girl. Yeah! She's like, well, be married to my husband. He'll find some more debt. Don't worry about it. <laughs> By the way, you may be hot, rich, and debt-free, but I ain't married to you, so I'm only going to talk to one woman. All right? Now, as I stated this last week, if it's not in him, it's not for you. If it's not in him, it's not for you. 1 John 5, 14 and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his, come on, will. It has to be according to the will of God for your life, for you to get it. So yes, we still can pray and receive what we ask for so long it's in the will of God. Does that make sense? You go, but Matt, I prayed and it didn't happen. It wasn't his will. Well, is that too much? It wasn't his will. Well, what about healing, Matt? We're going to have that whole subject on that one day. Now, here's a statement for you. We cannot will against his will and win. We cannot will against his will and win. So if we know what it does not mean for us, what does it mean for us? And I'm finally there. He was teaching you and I. He was teaching you and I to curse those things that do not sustain us and do not produce fruit in our lives. Are you with me? The fig tree showed leaves but no figs. It was a fraud. So for you and I, it is this idea that, yes, I'm a Christian, but I treat my neighbor like they are less than me. That's a fraud. I've got leaves. I call myself a Christian, but it's a fraud. I've got all the attributes. I show up to church. I give. But I don't pray. I don't, <laughs> y'all with me today? <laughs> right? It's this, I look leafy. <laughs> But if somebody were to need something from my life, they could find no fruit. I don't believe there's people in this room that want to live that way. 
I don't believe that with all my heart. But I'm asking you, are you bearing fruit in the good times and in the bad times, in season and out of season? Are we bearing fruit as believers? Now let's keep going. He was showing us that our faith in him can move mountains, but not our faith in our faith. Amen. Remember, we don't believe in our prayer to change things. We believe in God that when we pray, he changes things, right? So I don't need faith in my faith. He wasn't concerned about the fallout around him either. Trust me, they were not happy that he was speaking so bluntly to their idolatrous lives. But he was concerned about the fruit that Israel was bearing, just like he's concerned about the fruit and you and I are bearing. And I'm wrapping this up. Brittany, if you want to come, dear. He was saying to them, just like he's saying to you and I, just like our ancestors have idols of worship, so do you and I. You have sacrificed your faith in God for faith in a worldly system that has proven time and time again that has left you empty and lost. And understand, I'm talking to me and to you. I never preach a sermon that I don't preach to myself, either first or in the middle of, okay? He then goes on to show the power of their faith. They saw the fig tree and realized it was cursed. And then Jesus said something ridiculous. Did you guys know that you can speak to a mountain and cast it into the sea and it will happen? So Matt, what mountain are you talking about? If you're saying we can't, if you're saying he didn't mean that we can ask anything and it'll be done, if you're saying we, uh, what is this thing about cursing a fig tree and the fruit and let me just put it in a little bowl for you the best I can. Again, I gave you a lot of history on top of some application. Let me, let me wrap it up this way for you. He was saying that in every believer, in every person in this room, he wants you to do the same thing he taught the disciples to do and speak to the mountain of idols in your life and refuse to never bear fruit again. Did you get it? Cast those idols, the mountain of those idols, and throw them into the sea. And there's another beautiful sea that he says that we get to participate in, and that is the sea of forgetfulness. He will remember our lawless deeds no more. I hope you didn't feel beat up today. I never want to. <clears throat> but I also want to be, you know, we got to preach the Word of God with boldness and clarity. And I know it got a little muddy today because of the history part, but I wanted you to see why we can't just blurt out anything we want to and expect God to answer our prayers. I want you to be free from that kind of Christian life. The life that I want for you, the life that I believe God wants for you, is to live a life of faith where you're saying to every mountain, every idol, every hill, every obstacle in your own life, no more will you wreck this life. And to every withered fig tree in you, from now on you will bear fruit so that other people in this world can taste and see that the Lord is good. Can we all stand together today? If uh, you have any questions about today's message, go, Matt, I understood this, but I didn't get that part. I would love for you to email me. Matt at thetablechurch.cc. It's just our web address, thetablechurch.cc. Matt at 
thetablechurch.cc. I would love for you to email me. Let's chat about this. I love to engage in, in teaching and sharing the Word of God with people. So I want to ask you today, what idols do you have that you've created and built on the mountain of your life, on the mountain of your heart? What have you sacrificed and given your life out to? This is a rare kind of message for me, by the way. I, I generally don't preach stuff like this, mainly because I don't want to have to deal with it in my own life. <laughs> you know, preachers have to change just like everybody else. Make sense? But I've had to realize there's some idols in my life this week upon studying this. So today before you leave, maybe just search your heart for a moment and say, God, what are those things that are keeping me from bearing fruit so that I don't dry up like Israel did, so that I don't dry up in this life? And some of you feel dry all the way down to the roots. And I can promise you it's, it's not because it's a lack of church attendance. There's plenty of places to go to church around here. Maybe it's because we've placed things before God and sucked the nutrients out of our lives. Maybe it's drinking too much alcohol and you find yourself going, wow, this is leaving me empty. Maybe you're medicating with alcohol. Maybe it's too much prescription drugs. Not that you don't need help, but maybe it's got to the point where you need some different kind of help. And, we, and I don't mean that sarcastically. Maybe it's dabbling in pornography to the point now where it was once a week, now it's three times a day. And, and don't minimize that in your life. Because some say, well, it's only once a day. Yeah, until it becomes three times a day. Because an addiction doesn't get less by feeding it, it gets more. Yeah, Maybe the depression is so bad you don't want to get out of bed. In fact, it took everything in you to get out of the bed this morning to even come to church. And have you ever noticed depression always gets worse when you want to go to the house of God? Yeah. Every time. Because it wants to keep you from the one place that will give you hope. Because depression is not, hear me, it is not just a chemical imbalance. It is the work of the enemy in our lives. It is a spirit that wants to attach itself. And yes, is it chemically? Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you right now, we need to quit making things so black and white and realize most of this life is a gray area. Come on, church. It is both and. Is God grace and judgment? Yes, he's both. It's both and. So regardless of what it is in your life, and you know, we can name off all the big ones. But there's also things that we can't tell until we get in conversation like racism. And this political environment has charged some of you up so bad. You need Jesus. You cannot be racist and be born again. You cannot hate someone because of their nationality and skin color and expect to go to heaven. Wrap it up. Might as well put your white hood on and start marching or something. I mean, Noah, listen, the only difference is we have the banner in our heart, but we don't put it on ourselves. Racism is of the devil. I said it's of the devil. It's not the will of God, and you need Jesus. And by the way, an altar call ain't going to fix that. You need to surrender your heart to Jesus. Yeah. And say, God, help me love people the way you love people. 
Is this too much? I didn't, I didn't mean to make everybody's rear end get tight. That is an idolatrous Baal worship when I believe myself to be better than any other human being in the world. Because the truth is, at the, I, loved, I loved an image the other day. It had two blood bags hanging beside each other. It says, pick the white person's. Church, we've got to have Jesus to save our lives from bigotry, racism. We've got to have our lives changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus at one time said, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then he changed it. You know what he said? Love God and love your neighbor the way I have loved you. Well, he upped the ante on that one. I was not ready for that one, Jesus. <laughs>